Welcome to the FinTech One-on-One Podcast, episode number 368. This is your host, Peter Renton, chairman and co-founder of FinTech Nexus, formerly known as Lended FinTech. Today on the show, I'm delighted to welcome Matthew Ratton. He is the CEO and founder of EverChain. Now, you may know the company as Debt Trader. That's what they were called for many years, but they have recently to rebrand to EverChain. But anyway, I wanted to get Matt on the show because I think it's really interesting what they're doing. They're, they're taking sort of this whole kind of debt buying experience from both the buyer and a seller, and they've completely changed it with technology. They have a platform that really is very sophisticated, and we talk about that in some depth. We also talk about the different uh, types of verticals they operate in, how a debt sale works, his thoughts on buy now, pay later. We talk about complaints, a really important piece of the puzzle and how they're able to reduce complaints. And of course, we talk about compliance and some of the actions that uh, are coming out of the federal government and much more. It was a fascinating interview. Hope to enjoy the show. Welcome to the podcast, Matt. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate the opportunity. My pleasure. So let's kick things off by giving the listeners a little bit of background about yourself. Uh, like me, you talk funny. Um, you're not from these parts. So give us a little bit of the background about how you came to the US and what you've been doing since you got here. So I grew up in England, left the UK at 21 to come to America. My mother had gotten us green cards uh, 10, 15 years before that. And I had to arrive in the UK before my 21st birthday or that green card would no longer be valid. So I uh, arrived three or four days before my 21st birthday just to see if I liked it. And of course, the first city that I set down in was Las Vegas. Right. I drove down Las Vegas Boulevard. I saw signs larger than any building I'd ever seen. I was, let's just say, I fell in love with the city almost immediately. Hmm. Since then, I got married in 2009 to my wife, Chrissy, who I met at a company that I worked for many years ago. And I started the company in 2011, had my daughter, first daughter in 2012, and my second daughter in 2013. So it was a very busy period for us. Indeed, indeed. So you got a nine and 11-year-old, have you? Well, there about. I do, yeah. Two little girls, two little entrepreneurs. <laughs> That's great. That's great. So then what led you then to the, the founding of what was known as Debt Trader, now known as Everchain? So let's sort of get into the founding story. What, was, what happened there? So I had the opportunity to work in financial services from wholesale mortgage banking through the lead generation, through the credit reporting. And in that period, it was really an eye-opening experience for me to really understand the way financial services works. There are some sectors of financial services that are very intelligent. You have very intelligent people creating incredible algorithms and really solid processes to ensure compliance. But then for some reason, when you get post-default, it doesn't appear to be the same. It's almost as if it's in the past. There hasn't been really any push for innovation post-default. So the reason that I found this space and, and looked at this space and realized there's just not enough technology, not enough oversight. There's no way to simply determine the good from the bad. So you were having to go out there, attend a trade show, meet a debt buyer, and give it a shot. And then you had a bad experience and you didn't do it anymore. But not selling debt, I think every creditor should have the opportunity. 
to be able to clear their charge-offs once they've got to the diminishing point of return. And unfortunately, they don't have the peace of mind to do that. So we wanted to make sure that that was possible. Before we dig into what you actually do, I'd love to sort of get your perspective on the the state of the debt sales industry today. I mean, it, there's still lots of activity from, from where I can see, but what is the state of it, would you say? A very high demand. I would say less than 40% of the demand is currently being met. Hmm. This is an impact of COVID, lower originations, more payments were made during the pandemic, which led to less debt being sold on the open market. And what that's done is it's led debt buyers to essentially reduce their margins to keep the flow of volume coming to their centers. So right now we are experiencing, well, at least for us, and we've been in business for 10 years, this is the highest pricing we've seen for charged up debt in our 10 years. Wow. It's about 25% up from where we would expect it to be seasonality pre-COVID. So right now, it is a great time. I suppose if you use a real estate reference, it's a seller's market. Right, right. Okay. So then maybe you can tell us a little bit about your platform, how it works. I mean, maybe you could start off with saying how a typical debt sale has been done historically and then what how your platform is different to that. And that's really how Everchain or Debt Trader in 2012 came about. Because when I understood how creditors sold debt, it was shocking and quite surprising. There was no platform. They were sending an Excel spreadsheet with PII to a number of debt buyers who would submit bids back to them. The problem with that was that all of those buyers have now seen the PII. And now you have to hope and pray that all the buyers, all the buyers who aren't successful in winning the bid and the portfolio delete that data. And I just thought that was really an unnecessary step. I see it in customer acquisition too. I think it's lazy. I think that, you know, you only have to ask the question to the buyers, why do you need that data to score the portfolio? Where are you going? 99% of them said TransUnion. Okay, so it sounds like we have to have a conversation with TransUnion, integrate with them, and provide you with the value score without letting you know it's Peter and Matt. You can see it's one and two. But there's no reason to disclose who it is. There's no reason to share that PII because there's a way around it. So when you looked back at kind of the way things were being done, that was up until the point of sale. But even post-sale, the level of oversight just didn't exist. And, you know, when I think about one of the first clients we signed, they were experiencing 1,700 consumer complaints a year, which seems high because it is high. And today, if we look back, I think in the last 12 months, they've received two or three. Wow. How do you do that? Leverage. You create a network where creditors share their experience with one another. Buyers are held to account. Agencies are held to account. You create a technology platform that allows for you to be able to record the negative consumer experience against the buyer and agency to be able to investigate and to be able to remediate, and then to be able to provide that to creditors who are considering doing business with that buyer in the future. One of my favorite things, buyers probably won't love this, but one of my favorite things is when a second-place bidder or a third-place bidder wins, and the first-place bidder asks, how did I not win? The second place bidder had a better compliance score than me. Ah, interesting, interesting. So then, maybe um, just take us through, like, if there's a a lender listening to this who is interested in using your platform, never has before. What's involved in sort of getting their non-performing loans onto your platform for sale? So we have an onboarding process where first we like to get familiar with the creditor. So what the industry calls a seller survey. 
which is essentially a multi-page document that allows us to truly understand the DNA of the credit, how they write them, to their customers, what they're looking to do, what they've done previously, so that there's an ability for the buyer who's going to be purchasing their, their accounts to be really able to understand the originator and to be able to hopefully be able to continue into collections with an appreciation for what they were trying to achieve with their customer. Past seller survey, we're going to look at your data file. And we're going to help you to prepare that data file. So fast forward past onboarding, when you upload to our platform, we are going to go ahead and take a look at the data that you've uploaded. Now, bear in mind, there is no other technology platform in the industry that can do this, right? You're still going ahead and uploading Excel spreadsheets to security feeds, whether you're working with a broker or if you're working directly with a buyer, you're sending that file over to them, like I said before, for, for pricing and for review. But when you upload your portfolio to our platform, the first thing we're going to do is determine if you've sold these accounts before. Seems like that shouldn't happen. Creditor systems are records solid. But the amount of times we prevented creditors from reselling the same accounts twice is quite staggering. Mm. When you look at the impact, the negative impact that would have on their brand and their bottom line, they're very grateful that we were able to do that. But that's really simple technology. And again, it reminds us why technology needs to exist. Because without it, how is a human being able to determine if these accounts have been sold before? In addition to that, we're going to look at the data. Does it make sense? Is the principal and interest equaling the total balance? If it isn't, then we need to have a conversation. So the system's going to go ahead and scan the entire portfolio for errors and warnings and then share those errors and warnings with the creditor so that they can make sure that their portfolio is clean and accurate. After that point, the portfolio is then going to be scrubbed for the removal of any consumer who's currently in bankruptcy, deceased, or active duty serving this great country. Those three need to be dealt with in a specialty manner and shouldn't be sold along with the portfolio. However, outside of Everchain, they are sold. Sometimes the creditors catch them, sometimes they don't. In the case where they don't, the buyer buys them, and then the buyer puts them back. So now the creditor's accounting, the creditor's IT, has to now figure out how to get that money back and how to insert those accounts back into their system. Interesting, interesting. So then I know you operate in... Uh like in the consumer lending space, but tell us a little bit about the verticals that you actually operate in today. We started by focusing on subprime because we felt that that sector needed a real lift in the consumer experience. So that was where we were born out of in 2010. And when I give you the examples of you know uh, over 100 complaints a month, that was where those were coming from. And we're very proud of the fact that we've reduced the consumer complaints, especially subprime and deep subprime by 99%. From there, about four to five years in, we started to move up the tree, if you will, to near prime and prime, and that includes credit card and auto finance, whether it's deficiency or secured. And we plan to move into medical in 23, mainly because we believe that patients should be treated and respected in the same way that we're trying to ensure that consumers in debt are also treated. Mm, okay. Okay. That's good. So you know, what was behind the rebrand? You, you started off you were a debt trader for many years. Tell us a little bit about the thinking behind the rebrand to Everchain. So when we started the business, we wanted to create a compliant way to trade debt for a creditor to a buyer. What we quickly realized was that we're working with the creditor, we're working with the debt buyer, we're working with the collection agency. We're working with the collection agency to ensure they're compliant. We're auditing them on site, auditing the debt buyer on site. We're working with the creditor to ensure that they have absolutely everything they need, even if they were to find themselves under audit by the CFPB. We've had several creditors that were, and they've been able to hand that information over. So when we think about the rebrand, it was very clear to me that this technology and this mission can actually serve all of recovery. 
not just debt sales. Before a debt sale, you have a period of time that a creditor is going to collect internally and you potentially have a period of time that they're going to outsource the accounts. The differentiator is usually a time value of money argument. So a creditor that has a higher interest rate is going to probably look to shorten their recovery cycle to simply take, let's say, 50% of the return, the annuity that remains, reinvest it in new loans and find themselves better off with that strategy. A more prime or near prime creditor has to work their accounts for a lot longer for the math to make sense. Okay. So then what about buy now, pay later? Because that's there's not just one flavor of buy now, pay later. And I imagine like the a lot of them are just six-week loans that I know they don't officially call them loans, but that's what they are in my book. But there's also some that go six months. I mean, a firm goes out to three plus years. So is that a segment that you're looking it is. at? It is. It's the fastest growing sector. Uh, we've onboarded more B by now pay later this year than any other asset. And I think it's because these lenders, they truly care about their customer experience, even post default. So, you know, when we have the opportunity to demonstrate what we do, their customer experience folks, their compliance folks quickly realize this is actually a way to ensure that consumer experience isn't lost, but also for that consumer to be able to be recovered for the benefit of, of the creditor. So what kind of volume do you need to be like a total portfolio size to be able to participate on your platform? What we do with compliance is quite expensive. We audit every debt buyer, every collection agency. Our auditors represent 25% of our company and they're traveling around the country constantly auditing, constantly investigating. And that does carry a weight or a cost that our competitors do not have. We have a tech team our competitors do not have. So it does make it challenging for us to do business with creditors that are only charging off six figures a month. Generally speaking, we're looking at seven, eight, and nine figures on a monthly basis. However, we do want to assist all creditors. So we're looking at ways to create an aggregator of smaller lenders to allow us to be able to support them and their consumers through the recovery process without it being cost prohibitive to ever change. Interesting. Interesting. So let's move to the other side of the marketplace here with the debt buyers. Who are you mainly working with there and uh, how does that work? So if we go back to the beginning, and I think it's important when you think about what I spoke about earlier on about the masking of data. Mm -hmm. If you're a creditor buying leads, you want all the data you can see. If you're a debt buyer buying debt, you want all the data you can see. So that was a challenge for us in the beginning. And, you know, I would say that over the last three years, we've been able to overcome the concerns and the objections of buyers who would meet our certification standards, but were concerned about the inability to get unmasked data. We have overcame that. And today, I think we have more than 90% of the compliant debt buyers that we want to do business with. For every five that apply, we probably certify two, maybe three on a good day, two on a bad day. So what we represent is the best of the best. Instead of going to a trade show and meeting with a debt buyer who has a booth, who's wearing a suit, who seems legitimate, you can know that when you come to Everchain, we've run a criminal background check on every single one of their executive officers. We've reviewed their SOPs. We understand how they pay the collection agents, their commission schedules. We understand their licenses, insurance, bonds, and COAs. And then we're digitalizing all of that to ensure that when things expire, we already have the new copy. Nothing expires. There are no holes in compliance. So for a buyer, it's harder to join our network than it would be to join the industry association or to join one of our competitors. <laughs> but it's that way for a reason because we want the very best and we want the very best to focus on becoming even better. 
And then what about like, I imagine this has happened where you have a buyer that's come on board and then you get a whole bunch of complaints because something's happened in their systems. How do you deal with that? There's two ways to handle this. You can be reactive and you can be proactive. And we have to be both. We prefer to be proactive. We really try to encourage our debt buyers to let us know if they have issues before we tell them that we've determined that they have issues because then we have more time to be able to resolve the issue. When we receive consumer complaints, they're submitted by the creditor and we investigate them. And more often than not, we realize that the collection agency has put a new individual or a new team on the floor. And the reason for the dilution in compliance or the reduction in compliance or the reason for the complaint can usually be pointed to that. One of the things I love hearing is when collection agencies ask their debt buyers, did you get this from Everchain? If you got this on the Everchain platform, we will not be able to meet the expectations or the performance metrics that you're used to seeing because there is no gray with Everchain. They will suspend us from the platform and they provide too much supply, so they will harm us. So we have to live up to the standards that Everchain has. The worst example I can think of, and thankfully this has only happened once, is where a debt buyer sold a portfolio that they were not permitted to resell. The way our platform works is that a buyer needs to resell to another certified buyer to ensure that compliance continues. So in that case, we are able to use our leverage to ensure that that buyer repurchased the portfolio from the buyer that they had incorrectly sold it to, and then was able to focus on getting that buyer certified compliant to be able to complete the transaction. The outcome was that it was remediated and resolved. I'm not so sure that would have been the case if the creditor wasn't working with Everchain because the buyer could have just said, well, I don't plan on buying any more of this anyway, and I'm moving on to the next creditor. Whereas when all the creditors are on the Everchain, there's nowhere to hide and they're all aware. And now we get to focus on real compliance all the time. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Interesting. So then for a lender, I mean, is there a sweet spot? I imagine it depends on credit box and on the vertical, but I'd love to get some insight here as far as a sweet spot for when lenders should be selling their non-performing loans? It's really at the point where the curve starts to come down. It's that diminishing point of return. And we assist creditors with determining where that is. But I'm sure also creditors who are sophisticated are very familiar with where that is. And for many of them, they stop collecting. They realize at this point, they're going to essentially erase good returns. And so they should stop. And that's the point where the opportunity to sell to somebody who has the ability to collect the experience of collecting at that stage and the time and the ability to collect suddenly steps in. So where is that? It depends on who you are. If you're a prime lender, it's probably well after a year from default. If you're a specialty subprime lender, it's two months from default. Why? Well, because for a specialty subprime lender, they're charging a greater interest rate, as I've mentioned before. And for that reason, time value of money encourages them to sell those accounts sooner than later. Right. Okay. That makes sense. So then you know, I imagine there's Lots of the lenders you work with have multiple verticals that they operate in. We know some of the fintech lenders are doing, they're doing auto and they're doing, you know, unsecured consumer and others are getting into HELOCs and that sort of thing. Are you trying to get all of their business with all the different verticals as long as you operate in? Or how, what are the negotiations like when you're actually talking with a lender? Yeah, I mean, generally it is all of their receivables because there is no reason to place one asset and not another. So generally speaking, creditors use the Everchain for all of their assets that have defaulted. And so then is the platform, like, do people put in bids? And I mean, obviously you said that sometimes it goes to the second or the third highest bidder, but are you stepping away at that stage? Do you make recommendations for 
Like the lender comes to you and say, what do you think this is worth? Do you let them price it however they want to price it or do you provide advice there? And similarly to the buyers, do you kind of, do you provide any kind of feedback on the pricing that's on your platform? So let's start with the back and go to the front. So we do not provide buyers with advice on pricing. It's a company policy not to do that. Why? Well, because sophisticated buyers have spent a tremendous amount of money on valuation. And it's unfair that their valuation is made available to a brand new debt buyer who has not. And there's many ways for that to happen. We do not share with other buyers what other buyers have bid ever, not on the system, not in person. We respect the time and the money they've spent to determine the value of the portfolio. Now, for the creditor, we obviously have a tremendous amount of data. Remember, Everchain has facilitated the sale of 11 million consumer loans in our system. And for that reason, we get to take a look at the market and really get a good idea and get a very tight range on kind of where you can expect to see pricing. However, that is just us giving them an idea, but ultimately the market will speak. And because our market boasts 90% of the buyers you want to do business with, it's a true market, it's a real market. And you're going to see as many as 7 to, to 10, 11, 12 bids from you know certified debt buyers. And then from there, you're able to decide who to do business with. Now, the difference with us is that you're not just looking at prices I mentioned earlier. You're also able to download a digital due diligence document for that buyer. You can even specifically look at what you're looking. So you don't have to download a 300-page stack and you can go looking for the thing that you're looking to check a box on. You're able to pull that down specifically. And in addition to that, we're going to go ahead and provide you with information on that buyer. How quickly do they fund? Do they have any delays? Do they have delays post-sale? Do they have delays dealing with complaints? What is their complaint ratio? Their complaint ratio is the number of complaints against the accounts that they've purchased. This allows us to truly provide the creditor the ability to understand the consumer experience with buyer one versus buyer two versus buyer three. Our buyers are very aware of this rating system, and it really does encourage them to continue to invest in compliance because investing in compliance is the only way to scale. When you provide a rating, you're just looking at objective data, right? You're not sort of you know, looking at anything that's subjective that isn't available just in hard data? In the initial certification, we are looking at data outside of the EverChain to determine if they're worthy of being a certified buyer on our network. However, post-certification, now they're in the platform, we're looking at the complaints that are being reported. So the sellers receive the complaints almost always because the consumer goes back to the original creditor to complain about the debt buyer. The creditor then submits that complaint for our platform, and we're able to go ahead and substantiate it. Once substantiated, we can then begin the remediation process to ensure that the complaint is remediated, the buyer is making the investments necessary to prevent that from occurring again, and the creditor has all the necessary documents to be in compliance. Right, right. Okay, that brings up another question then around compliance because I know the CFPB has been taking a look at debt collection in general. I know there was a report they put out earlier this year, I believe, and they've also said, the head of the CFP has said multiple times, they're going after bad actors here. So, I mean, how do you interact with the, the government agencies? And I imagine government agencies may be taking action against someone potentially on your platform. How does that all work? And how do you help support the companies on your platform? So, yeah, I mean, we've received subpoenas from the CFPB for requests for information. In every single case, the buyer they're requesting or the agency they're requesting information from was denied during our certification process. To date, we have had no inquiries um, speaking to any active member of our network in the last 10 years. 
as far as expanding beyond that, we would love to sit down and, and discuss the way the Everchain does business with the CFPB because we think that it would probably give them confidence that they can start to push forward with regulation, knowing that it won't stifle financial services or the innovation within financial services because the technology does exist to allow creditors, debt buyers, and collection agencies to actually be far more compliant than the regulatory standards currently expect. Right. So then, you know, I imagine every, like the states have different rules here, right? It's not just the federal. Even cities. Even cities? Gosh, I didn't know that. <laughs> What's your approach to compliance as you kind of look at the complex web, you know, that this country has created for itself? What are you doing to kind of keep on top of that? A lot of education. Our compliance team have so many letters after their name <laughs> that sometimes you can't even tell who's emailing you. CRCP, just to name one of many. So it's a continual education, whether it's working with the RMAI or other industry associations that provide education. And it's also about just listening. I can't remember the exact year, but I remember taking the entire team and sitting in the conference room and saying, listen to Richard Cordray speak. Listen. Because if he says something and it makes sense, it's common sense, it's likely going to happen. So we should start preparing the technology to ensure that that can be upon the time that that becomes the rules. So we're very curious about regulation. We're always trying to keep an eye on what's happening so that our tech team is always ready to start creating the new features, the new tools necessary to maintain continued compliance. So is that happening much? I mean, uh, RegF okay. is the most recent. Obviously, everyone on our platform is ready for RegF before RegF came about. There are other regulatory changes that are coming and will continue to come, as you've mentioned, as the CFPB take a greater look at the collections, as they should. And we welcome that because uh, it gives us an opportunity to continue to evolve our platform to be even better than it is today. Okay, then. So in closing, I'd love to kind of get your perspective on where you're taking Everchain. I mean, what's next for you guys? We want to protect every consumer that's being collected from. So how do you do that? Well, you have to expand your assets in the USA to ensure that every type of loan has the ability to have the ever-chain protection when it's being collected on by a buyer or a collection agency. But it's also beyond that. It's global domination. It's the ability to do this across the planet. And the exciting thing that I can share with you today, Peter, is next month we launch the UK. Oh, wow. And the UK will be the first market outside of the US. That will go live middle of, of June. So we're about four weeks away from that exciting expansion. But it's really about expanding the Everchain to every place where a tunnel is unsecure, where data is traveling unsecurely, resting unsecurely, and making sure that all communications with consumers are compliant, whether it's digital or it's a physical collection agent making the call. Interesting. Well, uh, good luck with that expansion. It means you get another excuse to fly back home, I'm guessing. It does. <laughs> anyway, Matt, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Really appreciate it. I really do appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Yeah, sometimes you talk to people in the fintech space and, you know, particularly companies that have been around a while and you see that they're not really a fintech company. They've just kind of taken what their old systems were and put a nice, either an app together or a nice sort of shiny user experience that makes it seem like they're a fintech company. That's why I appreciate what Matt and the team at Everchain have done where they've really built a technology platform. You're just listening to Matt, you can see that technology is such an important piece of what they've done. They've rethought the whole debt buying and selling experience and brought 
put it onto a sophisticated platform where people can really interact and have a much better experience. And that's really what it's all about. And I applaud uh, Matt and his team. And now they're going off internationally. That's a really big move as well. Anyway, on that note, I will sign off. I very much appreciate you listening and I'll catch you next time. Bye. Bye.